3: Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
4: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine. Today we talk to USA Today's Doug Farrar. We talk to him about what's going on in the offensive scheme, how the Bengals can get better from that perspective, how they can get Joe Burrow's deep ball back. And to Doug, that solution is very simple. We also talked a little bit about the defensive scheme, focused mostly around the conversation of, are they using William Jackson in a way that maximizes his potential? As James and I, I think, are both of the belief that the Bengals might just be content to let William Jackson test the market. We're going to start, though, with a little bit of news that happened today. J.J. Watt doesn't come to the AFC North. After a Peloton screenshot of somebody that wasn't J.J. Watt had the Cleveland Browns identified as one of the final three teams, J.J. Watt sends out a tweet that says, I don't own a bike, stop it. And then maybe an hour later, has a tweet of him wearing the Arizona Cardinals shirt. So James, for the Bengals, that means that we officially dodge JJ Watt playing the Cincinnati Bengals for the duration of his current contract. He signed a 2-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals, 31 million dollars, over 20 million of that guaranteed money, and the Bengals do not play the NFC
0: West for the next 2 years. Well, see you in the Super Bowl, JJ. Um, <laughs> right? No, I'm just kidding. Well, maybe not, who knows. But yeah, this was a surprising destination. And the thing that really stands out to me is, is one, J.J. still considers himself a high-end elite player that can chase a ring on a minimum deal two years from now. I think he still views it, hey, I can make a difference. I can join a team like Arizona. And who knows? Maybe that is the case. I always I go back to this. You remember when Andrew Whitworth left the Bengals for the Rams? And I remember kind of rolling my eyes at the idea that the Rams were going to be good and you're one of Sean McVay and Jared Goff, and things changed pretty quickly there in Los Angeles. So who knows? But uh, yeah, J.J. Watt not going to the AFC North, even though the other three teams, the other non-Bengals teams, Ravens, Browns, and Steelers, were all considered favorites when you're talking and in, in looking at the betting odds to Landon.
4: I personally was pretty entertained that he didn't go to any of the teams that were being discussed as destinations. He didn't go play with his brothers. He didn't go home to Wisconsin. He actually stays relatively close to Houston going just a couple states over to the Arizona Cardinals. He'll form a pretty good pass rushing tandem with Chandler Jones, assuming that Jones has a bit of a bounce back year. You go back to 2019, Chandler Jones has 75 pressures and 19 sacks. You get back to some cor- some sort of production that resembles that year for Chandler Jones. You add J.J. Watt, excellent run defense, still has some juice as a pass rusher, although you've seen some of that robbed by the injuries he's dealt with. Maybe the Cardinals try to bring back Hassan Reddick now for their third guy on that defensive line. And you start to build a foundation of a defense. But when you talk about the impact, there's two ways to look at this. The first of them is what's the impact on the Bengals? We're, we're the locked on Bengals podcast. So for the Bengals, this means that Joe Burrow is safe from J.J. Watt joining T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh or joining Miles Garrett in Cleveland. Or, or even Baltimore, which was discussed as well and being the first legitimate pass rusher for the Ravens. That is good news. I mean, those teams are going to find a way to get after the passer anyway. I expect that they'll be in that market. It's a pretty thin market. Carl Lawson near the top of it. So J.J. Watt not landing in the AFC North is good news for Joe Burrow's health. The other way to look at the impact is, does J.J. Watt actually move the needle for the Cardinals? And you talked about this a little bit when you were talking about Whitworth going to the Rams. A lot of times, non-quarterback players are not moving you over the hump. The The idea that J.J. Watt is going to transform any team into a championship contender, I think is probably just based in, in logical fallacies or or something like that. I just don't see any defensive player really doing that. He could be the the straw that breaks the camel's back in a good way and pushes you over the hump. But one defensive player does not transform a team. So there's all these people talking, you know, does J.J. Watt make the Cardinals Super Bowl contenders? And I would say, no, not in a vacuum, not by himself. He's a good player. He gets them closer. But that's really not something a defensive player can do, in my opinion.
0: No, it doesn't. And it, it isn't 2013 anymore. Right? There was a time, I think, when he was that disruptive and that dominant. And you're not going to get that, but I still think you're getting a, a higher end player. And the Arizona Cardinals are still trying to get over the hump and get to the playoffs with this Kyler Murray-led team. They went 8-8 eight and eight in 2020. Can they go 10-6? and six? Could I see that path in a really tough division? I think the second-best division in the NFL behind the AFC North, but I might be biased, I guess, since we talk more about the AFC North than any other division. But uh, it's, uh, it's a tough one. But I, I certainly think that they're in the playoff hunt. But you're right. I probably would have thought that anyway with Kyler Murray going into year three, expecting him to take a a step or two forward. So how much does J.J. Watt actually impact it? It depends, one, on health. And I think that's the key for him and for Chandler Jones. If they're both healthy and and, and Watt does what he did last year, or in 2020, I guess I should say, for the Texans, if he does that for the Cardinals in 2021, then I think that defense can be pretty good. If not, well, then this is probably a bad deal. But if you're the Cardinals... You do this all day, right? Like they're basically a year or two ahead of where hopefully just a year ahead of where the Bengals are a year from now. Right. And, and hopefully we're talking about a team in the Bengals a year from now that's going in the right direction, has cap space and can add a, a key piece on defense like this with the star young quarterback going into his third season. And the way you
4: get to that point where you're competing and, and you're ready to make a push for it as you, you invest in. The team around your rookie quarterback contract. That's what the Cardinals are doing. That's what the Bengals need to do. You're absolutely right. I'm going to be very curious to see how the Cardinals have fitted in to their cap situation. They currently have $11 million of cap space according to Over the Cap. So I would expect that there's probably some either a corresponding cut or a restructure or an extension because with $23 million guaranteed, no matter how that's prorated across the life of this deal unless it's base salary that they're guaranteeing in year two. Assuming that signing bonus, that is coming into this year. And that's eating up all of their available cap space. So going to be interesting to see how the Cardinals manage the rest of their offseason. But this is not the Locked On Cardinals podcast. So let's shift our focus back to the Bengals. James, DJ Reader, working out on the anti-gravity treadmill. That's good news making his way back, doing his rehab thing, posting that video on Twitter today. Good to see that from DJ Reader. And now, let's talk with Doug Farrar. Let's get into that offense to start, and we'll wrap up with some thoughts on the defense coming up next.
0: Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL, all in full swing, plus NFL draft less than two months away, and they got draft props. They even cover awards, TV shows, reality TV, get real-time odds and props on almost anything you can imagine with BetOnline. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Check them out right now at BetOnline.ag. Make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can access it from your phone, your laptop, PC, any of your mobile devices, again, BetOnline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
2: This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients
4: We are now joined by Doug Farrar, the NFL editor of USA Today Sports Media Group. And Doug, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I was telling James, we go way back to when you were doing the podcast with Greg Cassell, kind of before podcast took off and I contributed to your your fundraising for that.
1: I know. That was so great of you.
4: Well, we're really excited to, to have you on the podcast, really excited to talk to you. And all this started... Because you tweeted about William Jackson and, and what the heck is going on at the back half of Lou Anarumo's defense and why they're not really playing to, to William Jackson's strengths. Perhaps that explains some of what we've kind of observed and, and heard, which is that maybe the Bengals aren't as enamored with William Jackson as they should be. But we'll get to the defense in the in the second part of our time with you. I want to start, though, with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense, because Joe Burrow was a prodigious prospect. He was as close to flawless on his college tape as you can really get for the most part. There are obviously better prospects in in history, you know, more complete prospects in history, but in terms of the things that he could do, he could do it all and was incredibly efficient with that. The deep ball in particular, especially the over the shoulder stuff, the lead stuff on vertical balls, not really so much the back shoulder stuff, but the over the shoulder lead stuff in the vertical game just disappeared. What can the Bengals do better in that department going forward?
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, you heard all this stuff when Burrow was coming out about how his arm strength wasn't this and it wasn't that, and he's not. You know, he's not going to be Kyle Bowler and throwing the ball seventy yards from his knees. But um, as far as deep accuracy, deep efficiency, Burrow in twenty nineteen with LSU, and you know, obviously he had these great receivers he had Jefferson he had Jamar Chase who is to me as flawless a receiver prospect as I've seen in the last decade but Burrow um, tremendous deep thrower and what can the Bengals do to improve his deep throw prospects they can protect him because I mean you've got a guy who was that efficient and that accurate uh, with with balls over 20 air yards last his last collegiate season his rookie year, the 10 games he was healthy per Pro Football Focus, he attempted 48 passes of 20 or more air yards, he completed nine for 293 yards, one touchdown, one interception, a uh, passer rating of 50.8. If he's in an offense where the protection is a, is even league average, he's doubling that completion total and the offense looks entirely different. But here's the problem, he was one of the most pressured quarterbacks through week 10 when he was hurt. And per Sports Info Solutions, the Bengals un- with Burrow led the league in dropbacks of zero to three steps, which is quick game, quick game, quick game. 316 dropbacks of zero to three yards or zero to three drops, step drops. Uh, Tom Brady was second with 292. And, you know, Brady obviously... Um, is in a point in his career where he's not going to be taking seven step drops and running around and throwing bang eights. But even with three step drops and even with that bad protection, when he was, you know, zero, three steps, 10 touchdowns and two interceptions. So Burrow showed within the limitations of the offense and within the severe limitations of the protections that he was an above average quarterback. The problem is, and this is, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the one thing they have to fix you could argue that before the Bengals become competitive, well, I could argue, they've got to fix their offensive line, and they have to either have Lou Amaruno's d- defense make sense or get a new defensive coordinator. Um, and we'll obviously get to the second thing soon. But there is no, there is no Joe Burrow that you saw at LSU and that you could see in the NFL – um, I believe he has all of that potential. You're not gonna see that potential until he's protected at a level that any quarterback would expect to be protected. That's that's just the way it is.
0: And to continue the the scheme talk or get a, ahead of myself and flip it to the the offensive side with Zach Taylor's scheme. That obviously impacts what he can do as an offensive play caller, right? In, oh yeah, in the it's, it's offense de- that you're
1: not you're not you're not going to have. I mean, you can drop all the, the seam routes you want, mm-hmm. the posts, you know, the double posts. I know he worked with McVeigh, and McVeigh is a big double post guy, especially in the red zone. You can't do that stuff. You can't do long developing plays when protection breaks down all over the place. Plus, it's a right hand offense, and your right tackle is Bobby Hart. Yeah, there's some pretty I obvious I can probably leave that I can probably just leave that right there.
4: There's some pretty obvious things that That's no way, no. that they can fix, right? They can they can go yeah. get a right tackle, either in the draft or in free agency, depending on who becomes available. If Taylor Moton becomes available, that seems like a very obvious Oh fit. He,
1: that guy, uh, he was in the fifties. We did a Mark Schofield and I did a top one hundred and one free agent list, and Moton was in the fifties. Uh, he would be, I mean, he's going to cost a lot of money, but the Bengals have it and, and that would be amazing. And he, would, just, he would throw that up right away, it's both really a, as a pass protector and he also just demolishes people in the run game. He's he's tremendous.
4: Really a question of if he makes it to free agency because Carolina also has a ton of cap room, Yeah. right? So not, not likely that he gets there. Who are some of the other guys talking about free agent targets for the Bengals that could really help? We, we've talked a lot about Joe Tooney.
1: Uh, Would be great. Uh, He's and that's he is used to protecting in a quick game scheme because that's, you know, Patriots have been that for a long time. Really great guard. I believe he's given up like one or two sacks in the last three years, you know, with with over a thousand snaps in each year. He's just um, he's not he's not in a you know, he's not a physical specimen. He's not a real power guy. He's not going to overwhelm you. He's just. He's just a, a great technician. Um, I think he would help the entire line in that regard just because he's so fundamentally sound. Uh, you know, cut his teeth with Dante Sconecchio, who's one of the two or three best offensive line coaches ever. Um, that would be a great addition. You know, they might throw a dart at Trent Williams and see what happens there. Um, Jonah Williams, this guys played 10 games in two years. Um, uh, and so I was telling James before we got started, availability is an ability. I don't know where that stands. Um, I thought Williams was a great player coming out of college. You know, I I don't know what the situation with him is as far as his health, but that after two years starts to look like a problem. I don't think you really punt on him, but you kind of have to start putting contingency plans in place when the guy you took in the first round can't get on the field.
0: And and I think that's the thing. If they're going to improve this offensive line like they need to to unleash – lsu Burrow and see if zach taylor is the guy that they hoped he would be when they hired him as head coach and From i a think calling standpoint
1: you know this this really it, it's it isn't really on zach taylor it's it's kind of what he ran into and inherited sure. um i don't you know it's i don't think you can make a value judgment on zach taylor's passing game until you can see what it actually is and there's just there's no way to do that now
0: and so that's why you spend, right, it, to, to one, protect Burrow, the franchise, to see if the guy you hired as head coach is really that guy and, and see where the, the direction of your franchise is going. Like that's it to me is they have eight draft picks they could probably address. You know, if Sewell's there at five, you know, that could be one of your starting tackles. But what if he's not, right? So that, that's why I think free agency, they need to go all in on the offensive line and really improve it over the next few weeks
1: right and sewell i mean if he's there at five you, you you jump because that's you know he's the combination of technician and mauler you don't you don't get that very often you get that that level of it every two to three years maybe um in the mock i'm you know i'm doing i have him going to miami and then they take jamar chase and as i said there could just be a lot of plays where jamar chase is going well that would have been nice but got <laughs> sacked again um you know, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, I think can play tackle. A lot of people, you know, he's 6'4", 305. So a lot of people want to move him inside to guard uh, in their heads. I think you can do either one. Uh, Vera Tucker, the guy from USC, I have him as a late first-round projection. He's another guy who could be a tackle or a guard. I have him going to Pittsburgh at 24. If he slips into the second round, I mean, I would, I would jump on that too. There are a lot of guys who are not spectacular, but would be a marked improvement over, especially at right tackle, um, what you have now. So they've they've got a lot of options. They just, they have to do a lot because it's not just one thing. It's not just Bobby Hart. (laughs) That's the most obvious culprit, but it's not just him.
4: It's not, and we talked about that during the season last year. The Bengals had some of the worst guard play in football. It got to the point where Bobby Hart, when Jonah Williams was hurt, was actually one of their, if not the best offensive linemen on the field. And when you get to a point where Bobby Hart is the best guy out of your group of five, you have a real problem. Sounds like the Bengals have a real problem on the defensive side of the ball, too. A lot of people were surprised that Lou Anarumo is back in Cincinnati. We'll talk about Doug's observations of Lou Anarumo's defense coming up next.
0: It's starting to feel like spring here in Cincinnati, and that means you got to get your car ready to go for the summer. So whatever you're looking for, whatever your auto parts needs are, rockauto.com is the place for you. I've used them. You should, too. It's extremely convenient. You can shop from the comfort of your own home. No need to mask up and have someone else type on the computer. Avoid the middleman in those big box stores. Go to rockauto.com where they have parts for over hundreds of manufacturers, whether it's a BMW, a Lexus, a Honda, a Toyota, which I drive a Toyota. Whatever you're looking for, they're going to have it at rockauto.com. The site is really easy to navigate. They have all the parts right there for your car or truck. And the best part, you're going to save money. Their parts are always reliably low and the same for professionals. As they are for you and me, the do it first. So make sure you check them out right now at RockAuto.com. See all the parts available for your car, or truck, and be sure to write "Locked On" in there. How did you hear about us? Box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Doug
4: Ferrar from USA Today Sports Media Group. All this came together, Doug, because of your tweet about the Lou Anna Rumo scheme. Tell me a little bit about what you were watching when you noticed some of this was this early season, was it late season? Because you were watching William Jackson for a free agency profile and, and something prompted you to say, man, what the hell is going on here?
1: I actually uh, it was after his first season as defensive coordinator, which was 2019. Um, and I was doing I, a, a series of off season lists. This was uh, summer of 2019 or summer of 2020, excuse me. And, you know, best zone cornerbacks, best man cornerbacks, best quarterbacks for every type of throw. And I was looking at the stats for William Jackson and man coverage. So you look at the stats and you go watch the tape. And but yeah, Jackson's great in man. He's great in press. Uh, He can match across the field. He's that kind of guy. If you're in a scheme like the Patriots or the Saints or the Cardinals... And you're playing heavy, heavy man. And that's what you do. This is one of the guys you want. No one really talks about him because he's in a bad scheme, but he's a great player in, in that regard. So I started, and I had been aware of Jesse Bates. I think he was top five in my safety list that year. So you've got two top five players, uh, Bates overall as a safety, and then Jackson and man, and you got some pretty good players there. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to watch the all 22 and I'm like, well, why is that safety over there? Well, why are you isolating that guy? Why is Jackson so good impressed and, and you got him playing off 10 yards? Um, and I started talking to people who are in and around the league and, and know more about this than I do. And I'm like, you know, I'm asking, is this am I crazy or does this Cincinnati scheme really not make a lot of sense? And the the consensus was, yeah, they've got some good players, but really not putting their players in the best position to succeed. And what I've heard is that he's not a very flexible guy. He tends to come into it with a my way or the highway thing, which, you know, if you're, as I was telling James before the podcast, or if you're Dick LeBeau or Wade Phillips, yeah, sure. But the thing is Dick LeBeau and Wade Phillips, they aren't that inflexible. They get the players they get, and then they put those players in the best positions to succeed. And that's why they're good at what they do as opposed to I'm going to superimpose this static bunch of ideas on these players. And if they can't do it, well, it's their fault. And defense is so complicated in the NFL today. You are, you are put upon by so many different offensive things that you just can't do that. I mean, you go back to the Todd Bowles game plan in Super Bowl 55, the best defensive game plan I've seen all year. And it was because Bowles did everything he doesn't do. They didn't blitz. He played too high when they're usually a single high team. I mean, they went against all sorts of types. They had Vita Vita Vea as an edge rusher on certain plays. They just, they threw, and yes, the Chiefs offensive line was, you know, in a serious pickle because of injuries, but Bowles understood, I can't do the things I did in week 12 because the Chiefs will be on that. So I'm going to reverse all my tendencies, get the players on board. I got two weeks to do it. That's how you coach defense in the modern NFL. I think with the Bengals, the problem they have is their guy is sort of, it it, it reminds me a lot of what happened with Mike Nolan in Dallas, where Mike Nolan came in and said, okay, we were this spot drop, country zone, single high team. I'm going to make it really complicated. And what happened was the players weren't ready for it because they didn't have an off season because of COVID and nobody knew what they were doing and the cowboys defense fell off a cliff. I don't know if he if Anarumo is overcomplicating things. That's kind of what it looks like because when you see a lot of guys out of position that doesn't usually mean oversimplification, it means that people aren't aware of their keys. They're not going where they're supposed to. They don't seem to have uh, you know option responses so to speak where you know the option if this then that doesn't seem to be matching up and there's just there's too much of it going on to when i see that much of it as you know i wrote a thing about the cowboys defense last year i don't put it on the players i put it on the coaches because when it keeps happening over and over you know your, your coaches are the ones who are tasked to if that's the case reverse that and, and make it better and that's just not happening
0: the, the scary part about that, Doug, when, when I hear that and I hear Scheme and, and Jackson potentially not being used properly and, and a guy like Bates, who I think a lot of Bengals fans, a lot of our listeners think is the best safety in the NFL right now. He's, he's one uh, of them. He certainly is. And and so when I you hear, oh, well, they're not being put in the best position to succeed and Jackson's about to become a free agent, is there going to be – could this be Anarumo saying – Eh, we can find someone to do Jackson's job for less than the 14 or 15 or $16 million a year in my system. And once I get my guys, right, like it could impact Jackson's future in Cincinnati because it doesn't fit because he he wasn't as productive, even though I did think he had a bounce back 2020 season. Do you see what I'm saying is now the coaching staff and Jackson could be on a much different page, even though it's clear he's talented the Bengals could end up with a lesser player at corner because he doesn't necessarily fit the system as well as another player could.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to that because I don't know what's going on in the room. Um, I don't know what's going on in the building, but it. I would say that generally speaking, as I, I, as I intimated before, good coaches, great coaches, they bring the player. I mean, you're, you're going to understand what you would prefer to do schematically on offense or defense. You're going to bring in the ideal players to do that. But that's not always going to fit 100%. So then you as a coach have to adapt to what you have. I mean, you look at Brandon Staley, one year as the Rams defensive coordinator, had the top defense in the NFL, um, put Jalen Ramsey back in the star position he played in at uh, Florida State, turned Darius Williams into one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the NFL. Leonard Floyd, who was a bust in Chicago, is going to get $10 million a year. Off of the one year he had under Staley, and bam! Now Staley's head coach of the Chargers, and Staley was adaptable. He understood this is not about me. This is not about my system. It's not about me reigning supreme as you know the head guy. It's like music producers. Um, you know, uh, the best music producers don't put a sound on the band. You know, they make the band sound the best they possibly can. Great coaches are like that. Great directors. Great CEOs. What 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 have you? Um, you're either putting your people in the best position to succeed or you're not. And he's just not. And it's it's crushingly obvious that things could be a lot better why he's there. Uh, you know, why this isn't being noticed or if it's being noticed, it's not being acted upon. I can't say, cause I'm not, you know, familiar enough with the team to say, Oh yeah, it's this or that, but it's a problem. And it's one of their two primary problems. And, it's more fixable than rebuilding an offensive line, but you know, he's still there. So there you go. Is
4: there anything that he can do in 2021? Are there any signs in 2020 uh, along the course of the year that, that he can course correct? Because for better or worse, he is the Bengals defensive coordinator this year. They still have a chance to fix the offensive line. And I guess kind of along that same corollary, The the Bengals brought in Trey Waynes and paid him a ton of money, probably more than anyone thought he was going to make. Does that tell you anything about what Lou Anarumo is trying to do?
1: Yeah, the Waynes thing was a mystery. Um, Okay, just a mystery then. Yeah, (laughs) it was a mystery.
4: And how about an opportunity for Lou Anarumo to kind of course correct with this team
1: next year? I subscribe to different stat services and I'm able to bring up William Jackson's numbers in man versus zone. I'm able to look at Bates on all 22. I'm not a coach. I mean, I'm, I assume Lou knows a lot more about defense than I do. Um, if I can figure this stuff out, yeah. I, I would think he would be able to as well.
4: Well, let's hope he does. Doug Ferrar, USA Today Sports Media Group. Really appreciate your time today, Doug, and going into some of the scheme stuff that you saw. Really helps to clarify where some of these issues might be for the Bengals going forward. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Thanks to Doug Farrar for joining us today. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, it's time to get into free agency, James. It is officially March. And you know what happens in March? The new league year opens. We'll talk about some free agency stuff tomorrow. And whatever Bengals news comes up, we're your one-stop shop five days a week. Until next time, Bengals fans, day, and have a good one.